Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of Nikini Favelle, and today is January 12, 2022. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by two guests for our Holy WASD recap. Oh, boy. You're making that dang WASD report that's so long and so many numbers <laughs> and saying, hey, what the heck did it just say? And, and get me all that information within 15 minutes, and mm-hmm. we're going to do that. So I'm joined by Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist in Bikini Favelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Hello, Nicole. Hey, everybody. Oh, gosh. That... You're right. That's Nicole Thomas, Vice President. Hey, there you are. Hey, Eric. Hey, Mike. Big VP. (laughs) Hey there. (laughs) Happy uh, God Wednesday. Yes. Yes. Hump day. Hump day. Yeah. So we're halfway there uh, through the week. Hopefully, everybody's (laughs) having a good week. And, you know, he's back. He's back. Yes. All of you know, Clay Thompson is back with the Golden State Warriors. I'm sure oh, some of you out there are like, yeah, he's good back. to see him back. Yeah, I it's heard good that. to see a player. Good, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the game. It was great. It's good to see him snarl. How'd he look? He looked great. He looked great. And, um, you know, the Bay Area was uh, buzzing, as they said on the TV, uh, with his uh, return to the NBA after two plus years of being out. So that's awesome. my big news. Splash Brothers. Yeah. They're back. They're back. That's right. They're back. Hey, and Eric, I'm just going to say it's going to be the coldest. I hear it's going to be the coldest playoff game in history on Saturday evening when your Buffalo Bills play the New England Patriots. Boy, you heard that right, Mike. It's going to be cold, looking like somewhere around uh, oh one to five degrees at kickoff and maybe below zero Ooh. as the game gets through. Jesus. So good thing is oh not expecting a ton of winds, which has been a super windy oh, year good. up there in Buffalo. And I'm only an hour and a half east of there in Rochester. But uh, yeah, it's going to be cold, but uh, should be fun to watch either way under the you lights. You should go. You should go. I mean, it yeah. sounds, uh, sounds fun. If there's snow, watch out for that tech rule. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Well, we could go on for ages about this, but uh, I think we'll shift over to the WASD. Nicole, let's go ahead and start with you and talk a little bit about what they did on corn and soybean. Oh, sounds good. Well, corn, not too earth shattering. I, I would say today's numbers were more or less neutral to bearish, I guess I would say. Uh, For the U.S., uh, ending stocks up by almost 50 million bushels puts us at about 1.54 billion. And that was due to uh, some upward revisions to harvest, well, planted and harvested area that puts our new production number at around 15.1 billion. So total supply up about 2% year over year. Gave a slight increase to that stocks to use ratio as well, now 10.4%. There were some changes from a demand standpoint, lowering exports a bit. You know, we've all been kind of waiting on China to make purchases and and thus far hasn't been quite to the degree that we were anticipating at the beginning of the of the crop year uh, with those accumulated imports from China at just under 2.3 million tons uh, as of December 30th. So and that's actually down by about 56 percent from the year prior. So Lowering that number made all the sense in the world. And on the flip side, took the ethanol usage number up, which, again, something more or less expected uh, in the trade to some degree. They took those up by about 75 million bushels. 
more in line with consumption prior to the pandemic. So uh, kind of seeing us uh, somewhat return back to normal here. And uh, accordingly, you know, with with uh, uh, energy prices uh, strong in general, uh, probably a little support in, in the form of, of some blending demand as well. So in that sense, uh, U.S. balance sheet, more or less what the, what the trade ex- expected. Now, from a global standpoint, we actually saw ending stocks come down two and a half million tons. That puts us at just over 303 million. Again, everyone's been following uh, some of the weather related news coming out of South America and the potential for lower yields. And that prompted a, a 500,000 ton reduction uh, in the in the projection for Argentina and a 3 million ton reduction for Brazil. Partially offsetting that was an increase to Ukrainian production up about 2 million tons to 42. So overall, uh, we see that stocks to use ratio at about 21.6 percent. Uh, down just a little bit uh, from what we were anticipating via last month's report. And then, of course, grain stocks report came out today as well. That put uh, U.S. corn stocks at 11.6 billion pounds as of December 1st. That was up 3% versus last year. Uh, And also up 3% from a year ago was corn stored on farms. That came in at 7.23 billion bushels. And that could come into play for basis. You know, we've seen that running uh, on the stronger side of things thus far this year. Interestingly, if you look at March 22 futures and where they're trading now versus March 2021, we're at at the same time in, in, in 2021, we're up by about 84 cents per bushel or 16%. So, thinking that in the grand scheme of things, producers are looking for those uh, higher cash corn prices this year. And that may be uh, based on their expectations of, of higher input costs. So needing to offset that a bit. So that was what we had with corn. Uh, now for soybeans, you know, it's kind of weird because the market's behavior, especially right after the release of the report, would give you the impression that the, the report was was reasonably neutral. But once you start digging into the numbers, you could certainly see some some bullish factors in those numbers. Now, starting with soybeans, the changes to the domestic balance sheet were relatively minor. Maybe that that's what the market was looking at at a glance initially. Production went up by about 10 million bushels, and that was added straight to the bottom line of stocks, now projected at 350 million. And as far as the grain stocks report was concerned, put inventory at 3.15 billion bushels, uh, and that was up 7% from 2021. So disappearance for September through November at about 1.5 billion bushels, that was down about 14% from, from the prior year. So the bottom line is, it sounds like we're pretty good with soybean inventories domestically. But again, similar to corn, globally, different situation. And in this case, ending stocks were lowered by roughly 7 million tons to 95.2. And that was mostly due to some sharp drops in South American production. Argentine uh, production lowered by 3 million tons to 46.5. Brazilian production, which at one point was expected to be a record crop, was reduced by 5 million tons to 139. And again, both both of those changes reflect what it what's been seen as deteriorating conditions in South America. It's been too dry in some spots, too wet in others, and then extremely dry 
yet and still. And I think, you know, from the trade analyst expectations, if anything, a little shock that USDA made uh, dramatic changes when at least in recent history, those have been more gradual. So maybe trying to get ahead of it this this year. Uh, so the bottom line there, stocks to use to fall from 18.9% in 2021 to 17.4% in 21-22. So again, bullish support in the market from a global standpoint. Now, on the soybean oil, domestically, again, <laughs> pretty good scenario. Even better oil yields pulled production up by almost 200 million pounds. But nearly all of that was added to export demand, uh, leaving ending stocks unchanged uh, at a bit over 1.9 billion pounds. Global ending stocks for soybean oil were increased to 4.19 million tons, but they'll still come in, and, you know, if, if this is where we settle by the end of the marketing year, will still come in below last year. And also keep in mind, demand is projected to rise by almost 2 million tons in 21-22. Which brings me to the last thing to kind of consider here with soybean oil is the palm oil market situation. In Malaysia, production continues to be weak and stocks continue to trend on the lower end of things. So in the global market, that's a strong indication for pretty good soybean oil consumption. So if Argentina has major issues with their crop and Brazil, we know won't be as large as once hoped, and particularly for the for Argentina, you know, being a major exporter of soybean oil into the world market, uh, that could very well mean more late season demand for soybean oil originating out of the U.S. Again, kind of supporting USDA's adjustment to that category in in this report. So, long and short of it, still, you know, reasonably bullish for for some of these categories, and uh, we'll just keep our eyes open for next month's report. Got it. Okay, let's shift over to wheat. Eric, what did they do? Yeah, well, not only do we have the WASDE and the grain stocks like corn and beans, but we also got to take taking a look at the winter wheat seedlings report that was released today and, and what uh, farmers planted last fall. So we'll get into that. But overall, the message for wheat, uh, which was, again, a highly anticipated day for new information, is really uh, net bearish, which is encouraging to kind of have a calming influence potentially on prices or at least you know not allow them to go back above eight dollar a bushels for Kansas City and, and Chicago and, and you know getting back into the ten dollar per bushel range for Minneapolis but I'll start quickly with the grain stocks report pre report estimates were somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.41 billion bushels in stocks as of December 1st the number announced today was 1.39 billion bushels. So slightly below expectations, but really no dramatic shocks there. You know, really all in all, the story remains to be that stocks are much lower than what they were a year ago, uh, down 18%. So that was really the most bullish piece of information. But again, just slightly below expectations there. The winter wheat seedlings report was about as expected, uh, could be considered slightly bearish from a year over year perspective. But uh, again, about as expected from where folks were thinking late last fall. So really, the market sentiment was about one to two million acres up. And you know there was, though, some discouragement and potentially hitting that level of of acreage just because the conditions last fall were very dry in the southern plains for planting as well as excessively wet in the Pacific Northwest and Southeast. So maybe not all the fields were planted. That was kind of my thinking going into it. So I had said, 500 to a million acres up 
And lo and behold, we came out uh, at 800,000 acres up versus last year's report. So now we're looking to be in total 34.4 million winter wheat acres. Of the three categories, uh, hard red winter rose the least, which was just 1% at 23.8 million acres. And actually, the one surprising piece, again, was that soft red winter rose by 6% to just above 7 million acres. So that was um, maybe the bigger of the three surprises, as white wheat was pretty much as expected at 3.56 million acres. So um, you know, again, bearish and considering year over year and, you know, obviously pricing is certainly incentivized to get as many wheat acres planted as possible, but the conditions last fall, I don't think allowed for, uh, farmers to get as much as they wanted planted. So looking at the WASD here, no changes to production, but there was a 10 million bushel reduction to imports now at 100 million bushels. But on the demand side, we saw some pretty good changes there. Uh, one was expected in exports. Again, we've been highlighting this for some time. We continue to run well below last year. So this was slashed once again by 15 million bushels, now down to 825. And there was a very large reduction actually to feed demand. So feed fell by 25 million bushels for wheat from 135 down to 110 million bushels. And I think, again, this is you know usually a delayed figure and, and kind of hard to track from month to month, if you will, and usually is reported after the fact, but not surprising. And, and kind of looking back at what transpired in Q4 and really over the last three or four months when you've seen slightly improving balance sheets for corn and soybeans and really wheat prices took off from September to right through mid, mid-December. So the uh, incentive to utilize wheat for feed started to actually tip more in the favor and availability-wise for, for corn and, and soybean meal. So not uh, totally surprising, makes sense, but I think it just caught maybe the market off guard a little bit. But uh, you know, all in all, we're still talking about ending stocks that are the lowest since 2013-14, even though we did improve 30 million bushels from last month from 598 to now 628 million bushels. So really the last three months, we've seen modest, uh, small improvements really thanks to that decrease in wheat demand throughout that time period. And just lastly, globally, really hardly any changes there. Slight uptick for Argentine crop production by a half a million metric ton. You know, ending stocks, we're talking about a modest uh, increase of 1.8 million metric tons now to hitting 280 million metric tons. So I think this will kind of help to keep prices here I'll say in check or maybe not uh, you know skyrocketing back above eight dollars a bushel and you know now that we've certainly broken through some lower support levels that potentially maybe we could see a new trading range comfortable trading range here in the seven dollar per bushel target for KC in Chicago and you know maybe Minneapolis kind of huddles around this uh, call it nine to ten dollar per bushel range so that's my that's my take great thank you Eric now let's shift over to sugar uh, what do you got Mike well, uh, well, it's the same person, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Perfect. Like um, January was the little changes as Kevin predicted. Uh, overall, slightly bearish tone. Those minor changes that they did make, getting the stocks to use ratio to 14.4%. So a little bit higher than the 135 
on the low side target that they the USDA does target. The big change was production in Louisiana. And what's the saying, Nicole? The Lord taketh away and then giveth back. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I really think you messed that up. You disappointed somebody who took you to church and and murdered. You know, I that. did that okay. on purpose. I know it's the Lord giveth and taketh away, <laughs> but that's what they did. They did the reverse last month. You remember the USDA took away seventy two thousand short tons raw value from Louisiana, and uh, based on the NAS uh, yield number forecast, but then they said, you know what, we're going to give it back. And they gave back uh, almost you all double 145,000 short tons <laughs> raw value. Right. So, okay. Head scratcher there, but uh, Louisiana, you got your sugar back. Um, also adjusted where uh, they adjusted the TRQ. They lowered that by 60,000 uh, short tons uh, raw value. Uh, out of that TRQ decrease, uh, 55,000 of it was a result of lower TRQ imports, uh, which were allowed to enter through December 31st, but apparently did not enter, which was a little surprising given uh, our high domestic raw sugar market. But uh, hey, it didn't happen. I guess uh, some of the sugar that the quota holding country said uh, they had didn't, uh, maybe they didn't have it. Ending stocks are now at 1.773 million short tons raw value for 2021-22. That's up 95,000 short tons raw value from the December forecast. Imports from Mexico could be lowered as we uh, get into uh, a future WASDI, especially that March one. They'll probably lower it about 95,000 short tons raw value, assuming that there are no other changes to the balance sheet. Uh, Mexico. Uh, should have plenty of sugar for us. Uh, when you look at their balance sheet, they're going to have a surplus of almost 2 million metric tons. So they got plenty of sugar. So they're going to have to ship it up here or ship it out to the world. Um, so they should have uh, well above 700,000 metric tons to ship to the world market. So uh, some of you out there are probably saying, well, you know, this higher Louisiana cane production, shouldn't that provide some relief to the number 16? Well, not so fast because uh, we should expect some lower imports uh, from Mexico as they make those adjustments and hit those targeted stocks to ratio range. So, um, yeah, as far as the market itself, it's quiet. Uh, most of the industrial business has been done. People are looking uh, ahead at the colloquium, which is uh, supposed to be at this point, uh, the end of February, where discussions of 2023 start to happen. We have heard a little bit of discussions for 23, not much. Uh, they are at premiums to uh, this year's negotiated volumes and rates. And uh, we expect at least initially things to come out pretty bullish. Re refined prices remain high with the beets uh, in the low 40s, as high as the uh, low 50s, FOB bulk basis. Cane prices, depending on where you're at in the country, are mid to upper 40s to low 50s, FOB bulk basis. And that's what I got for sugar. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. If you're not an IQ subscriber, you should be. So reach out to us and we'll put you on a test drive. And until next time, take care, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. 
And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.